Cineboys to Cinemen episode 21. 21. Hope you're well, uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, this week, moving away from um, the realm of bloke. Blokey. Blokiness. Yeah, I miss it. <laughs> I miss it so dearly. Yeah, already. Yeah. yeah. Um, and into something a little bit more recent, more contemporary. Mm. Before we do that, though, Ooh. I just wanted to quickly address the first direct message we had today. You've got off piece, Daddy. This isn't what we usually do. I know, not at all. I feel like we should on the basis this was sent quite a while ago. I didn't notice it was there. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we sort of lamented the fact that no one was messaging us. And then we've got one, and I ignored it. <laughs> we just weren't checking. Yeah, we just weren't looking. <laughs> we've also seen a lot more interaction from you guys on Instagram when we've put the questions out. So I yeah. think mm. that ref- reflects more poorly on us that we don't know how to use our social media <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, we've got a lot of great interaction with you guys that we hope to thread in throughout the, the podcast discussion. Yes. Um, which is a good one this week, I think. But uh, we've got a message from Gavin. Okay. Who said, love the bloke exploitation episode, the most articulate breakdown of male-on-male sloppy gobble I've heard. <laughs> Hoping to throw in a request for a Nicolas Cage special. Ooh. Particularly interesting your takes on Prisoners of the Ghostland and Willy's Wonderland. Okay, I've not seen either of those. Neither so have I, So, but I mean, that seems like a really good idea for an episode. Nicolas Cage special, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nicolas Cage. I mean, good. I don't know why that hasn't popped into either of our heads, actually. No, I mean, it, actually, his name might come up a bit later on in the episode as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that um, is a good point. But, yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be good. We could uh, maybe even get uh, old, uh, old Marksman back on. Oh, yeah, he's quite the... Uh, he's he's, he's a, the, yeah, the Cage fan. Cage fan, he's yeah. the Cage fan. The, not the only one. But, <laughs> one yeah. of many, but the main certainly one. someone <clears throat> that can um, <clears throat> throw his hat in the ring on most of his films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, because there's so many of his I haven't really got had sorry not got but sort of had the mental strength to watch mm, however yeah. for you Gavin we'll definitely consider it as a future episode that's a fantastic idea so thank you for messaging in thank that's, you Gavin and sorry again for ignoring you yeah <laughs> um, this week yes Flash Flash uh, uh, Flash <laughs> I guess the sort of final sort of um, film in the DCEU yeah. I think there might be a couple of others coming, but I don't know how much they link to James Gunn's new vision moving forward. No, I th- it's it seems like they're a bit of a death rattle. I, th- yeah. I think you know, um, which is odd um, because they were still releasing these films when they announced James Gunn sort of revamping the of of this sort of whole the whole sort of world. So I don't quite understand why they're getting made or released but no, there you go I, mean, I think maybe they've already committed funds or whatever to it and maybe yeah. that's why I mean but this film definitely to me felt like a a, a sort of retcon oh um, yeah yeah definitely for uh, the transition from the Snyderverse to the Gunverse yeah I don't know if there's a the Gunsverse the Gunsverse yeah, is that yeah. what they're calling it online the Jamesverse <laughs> the Jamesverse I like that <laughs> yeah, regardless yeah. of what it gets coined as by the the uh, the fan base the that's, that's what we're going to call it if if they get if they coin it it's me that said it first <laughs> yes want it on record yeah fourth of the uh, seventh twenty twenty three yeah at precisely. Uh, 7.49 p.m. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a picture of today's newspaper on the in- Instagram. <laughs> yeah, just to confirm it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so with us want- talking about The Flash, that of course lends itself to a broader discussion about the DCEU itself. Um, 
and a little dabble into the world of superheroes too. I mean, we're very aware that in the Ant-Man episode we've sort of talked about that a lot, but we didn't really discuss it from the DCEU or Warner Brothers perspective. No. And I think it's a, it's a fascinating and very curious series yeah. um, that I think deserves a discussion in itself. Yep. Also, the old word nostalgia is probably going to come up a little bit because uh, by yeah. God does Flash... Um, really sort of try and mine that yep. much to its detriment I think in both of our views yeah 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 um, of course if you've heard our previous episode you wouldn't be surprised by that <laughs> if you haven't listened to them um, and then of course a discussion around Ezra Miller yeah, um, yeah. and the sort of nature of a Hollywood celebrity and how that can impact not only the trajectory of a film but how it can affect a, uh, an individual's relationship with the film you know mm. so yeah a lot, lot to talk about then of course the film itself which I think we've got quite a lot to say I think so. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, get into it. Let's get into it. Nice. <laughs> Questing the cinematic void. Okay, then, the DCEU. Mm. A universe started all the way back in 2013 with Snyder's Man of Steel. Yep. That was supposed to be the start of this uh, alternate superhero world. Yeah. Um, spearheaded by Snyder himself, who has sort of mapped out this whole sort of expansive, um, interconnected storyline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in very much in a similar vein to Marvel. Mm, yeah. Um, I think, you know, Warner Brothers had probably been watching Marvel from afar for quite a while and thinking, we want a slice of that. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, we've got the properties that could easily compete with that. Harry. Perhaps even more iconic properties that could compete with that. Arguably, yeah. At I mean, the time. Batman, that was a, I mean, you know... That with a Nolan Batman's like the popularity wise, that was at an all time high. Harry Potter was coming to an end. They were thinking like, we need a franchise here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It was the perfect atmosphere for a competitor to Marvel. Yeah, in the sense that you know they've got similar sorts of characters, a world that is certainly rich enough mm. to sort of perpetually extract characters and, and, and narrative strands and both small and large which you can weave together and make this grand competitor to Iron Man and co. Yeah, yeah. But as we know now, looking <laughs> back on it, it didn't quite work out. No, it didn't. And what we're left with is a selection of very odd, <laughs> sometimes good, yeah. but mostly baffling or in a lot of people's minds, rubbish superhero films. Yeah, disconnected from each other, even though they're meant to be part of the shared universe. They just feel they feel wrong. They feel disconnected, uh, inconsistent, and I mean, arguably Marvel are going in this direction now, but they had their heyday, and I don't think DCU ever really did. No, I think DC had its heyday with its individual properties. Exactly. So you yeah. know, you said Nolan's Batman. Mm. Um, you know, you, we can think of Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, um, uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman films. Yep, you know, so DC certainly already had a legacy in place that was very much, I would argue, probably there was sort of a more holistic view from fans to, to critics on the quality of those films mm, yeah. in terms of that they were just good movies. Mm, yeah, and all of which were made before a time of this this necessity that studios feel now to make expansive, interconnected worlds, cinematic yeah. worlds. Yeah, I think they. You're right. They they do work better alone. Those films. I think the the superheroes work better alone. <laughs> really, I mean, like they're, they're they're quite complex characters, but and they've got like sort of darker source material. So, but they they always like Batman. Always, I always think it operates quite well as a free agent, and he's got a really focused arc, 
and uh, it, it, that arc tends to inhabit quite a big portion of the film's runtime. But you know, I don't think Marvel suffers from this because of the sort of lighter team up tone and coupled with the fact that the arc's got established over about 10 to 15 years yeah you, you just like there's something about their solo films which always i mean even in the dceu they did just tend to work better and even and, and then again outside with like you know the batman and like joker is i mean i know we're you know we're our feelings towards joker aren't great but critically it did all right and especially you know audience wise it did really well so yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that lighter tone. I think, you know, you only need to look at Nolan's Batman, even Burton's Batman. I mean, but I think Burton's Batman is like a strong argument for, you know, the fact that you can still hold true what a comic book film is and still be adult in yeah, equal measure. Yeah. Oh, completely, yeah. Um, but I think if you think about films like Nolan's Batman, for example, it is like a gritty or grittier mm. um, t- superhero tale that is more sort of deeply rooted in you know in in the world that we inhabit today and is more relatable yeah like, and that allows nolan to sort of like you know make um thematic parallels between the world we inhabit and the world batman inhabits yeah I mean, obviously yeah. it's always gonna have silly moments like bats breaking through windows through some bat sonar system and all that kind of <laughs> stuff but you know i think that's where dc certainly cinematically um probably in that sort of from the 2000s onwards have occupied that space quite well yeah yeah definitely and i think where you look at snyder when he comes along with man of steel his intention is to continue that tone oh completely and i think yeah. warner brothers were keen with that on the basis that nolan had established that yep. and it worked really well and he was an exec producer on Man of Steel. Yeah, Chris I always forget Nolan. that he was yeah, involved yeah. in it. And his wife was as well, wasn't she? She was yeah. She was involved. I was about to say Emma Thompson. It's not Emma Thompson. <laughs> it's Emma something. Emma something. Yeah. Emma Nolan, I guess. Yeah, probably. No. Maybe. What is it? Emma... Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, sorry, Chris. Um... <laughs> yeah, sorry, Emma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that sort of... I think they saw that sort of darker tone as like a viable alternative to the bright, breezy team-up sort yeah. of aspect of Marvel. Mm. Um and they really went with it. They really doubled down on him, and he was probably riding quite high. I think his, you know, his 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 attempt at Watchmen, I think, is pretty good. I like Watchmen a lot. Yeah, yeah and I think a lot of people were thinking, well, this guy clearly, you know, can do comic book. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, three hundred, even though it's been played on ITV three about nine thousand times. <laughs> you know, like at the time, did really well. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. still have, still has a lot of reference. You know, a lot of people still have a lot of reverence for it. Yeah, yeah. So I think they were they were really confident this was going to go really really well, and I think they allowed him. They sort of basically gave him the keys to the DC mythology and said, mm. right, run with it. Yeah. But even in his first effort, Man of Steel, it became a, it became apparent that things weren't as streamlined as perhaps over in Marvel. Yeah, no. Where, I think it felt rushed. I remember the third act felt really rushed. It's even down to like the visual effects. I know it was 2013, but like if you watch it again now, it's like it's just. It was made. I think that third act is where it really started to be made by a committee a little bit, and it became really like just people punching each other. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Uh, but it was a shame because remember the trailer came out and it had the music from Fellowship of the Ring in it. Oh right. Uh, when you know after Gandalf dies, Gandalf, Gandalf. <laughs> uh, yeah, when like when uh, when he falls from down down in uh, Casa Doom and then they all like leave Moria and they're all really upset. That music is in the Man oh, really? of Steel trailer. Yeah, yeah. And so you set up for a, quite a moody, dark emotionally mature film that's what i got from that trailer and yeah. they just i don't know i don't know what happened they they must have got scared or something 
I, I think, or maybe I Snyder so. did. I'm I mean, not I, sure. I mean, I saw the the trailer with um, Hans Zimmer's song "Flight," which is sort of the main song, I guess, for Superman that mm. particular, or for Man of Steel. Yeah, it's a brilliant trailer. And I remember thinking back then, wow, like, well, brilliant in the context of superhero films. And back then, you know, we weren't as cynical about superhero films as we are now, so everything <laughs> seemed like oh, quite interesting. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think something clearly didn't work out, and that that idea of things being rushed, I think, is something that is going to come up quite a lot when we discuss the DCEU because. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the studio really desperately wanted to sort of um, latch on to the, the sort of superhero craze, mm, yeah. um, but didn't do it with as much sort of care and consideration as Marvel did. I mean, look, and, you know, this isn't me sitting here praising Marvel. No, no. Um, but... Because, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not really that bothered about their films anymore. <laughs> never, and I wasn't that emphatic a fan anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. And actually, I always preferred the DC characters, by and large anyway, growing up as a kid. So yeah, yeah, I have okay. a bit more of an affinity for, for this side of things. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, love them or loathe them you know they got it right whatever they did they got it right yeah yeah and we, we talk about that in the in the Ant-Man episode but that the way in which they found that tone almost immediately yeah and stuck to it religiously mm, yeah. um really benefited them and i think that the people in warner brothers and dc once thought well we've got this darker grittier tone and i don't think they were really it, it became apparent to me even in large parts of Man of Steel, particularly as you say that third act, it, it becomes apparent that there isn't as much confidence in that vision. No. Um, no. And, you know, filmmaking by committee again, another term you're probably going to hear quite a few times when we discuss the DCU because that was a big part of the reason why things were so disjointed and difficult. Yeah, definitely. Um, and personnel came and went and, and, and the tone changed radically film by film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really interesting. I actually really like the first sort of half of Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, I think me it's too. A really well made. Kevin Costner were really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, 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 and Cavill's a pretty good Superman. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a sort of perhaps overly stoic and a bit wooden in sort of in in um, Snyder's vision. But I yeah. didn't actually mind him as Superman that much. Um, and uh, you know, but again, that third act is just dreadful. And I mean, I know a third act problem is is something that's not just reserved for DC. It's a big problem in most superhero films. I did. Um, they just lost. They lost that kind of almost indie like cinematography as well though like there was, yeah. there was a lot of ha- Snyder likes his handheld like when he when he deploys it well I quite enjoy it yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. sparingly used in Watchmen uh, it's not really used in 300 but uh, Dawn of the Dead has quite a lot of it yeah and yeah he does it really well it's quite floaty and steady cam-esque and he did a lot of that in Man of Steel and I remember thinking like there's some there's some style to this yeah, uh, yeah. and then, then it just disappeared unfortunately I mean it was all yeah, it was it was a computer generated mess, which is a really common criticism of the third half of that film. But like, I don't know. Yeah, something happened. Um, I it, think it's you know the idea of rushing, as you said, because I mean immediately after Man of Steel, they're 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 setting the, you know they're they're already building towards that sort of multi hero event. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's something that was never going to work on the basis that you know. You you need to at least have one film about each member of the of the Justice League before you even jump into yep. the Justice League mm-hmm. film, right? By completely, um, and uh, they didn't even do that. They decided to bring Batman in and have him fight Superman, yeah. and then have him sort of like identify other meta humans or sort of godlike figures. 
yes. in that really awful sequence where Batman just sits there and watches loads of videos of yeah. all of the relevant members of the Justice League. Yeah, yeah, and they've um, all got uh, Alfie. Alfie always mentions that, that they've all had like a graphic designer come in and design their 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 specific superhero logo. Yeah, like, in the, yeah within yeah. the film. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is quite um, interesting. And I just think I just I remember thinking. I mean, I, I remember again. I saw the trailer and thought, huh. Mm. Doesn't the first trailer? I'm thinking that doesn't look that bad. Yeah, yeah. And again, you've just got another film that I mean, you know, Warner Brothers. I think doubled down on Snyder to, outwardly, but I think yeah. inwardly they were already starting to doubt him as the guy to lead this 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 vision forward. And Agreed, I think it becomes yeah. more and more apparent um, in the rehiring, firing, rehiring of different writers, mm. and the you know, and and the sort of tonal uneasiness of, of that film. Yeah, um, not to mention how much of just a complete fucking mess it is as a movie. It's not really a coherent narrative at all. No, um, and I think Snyder is. I think Snyder benefits from a, a good writer. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think he needs a really, really strong script. I yeah. mean, I know it sounds like a bit of a trite thing to say because every director does, but I think some directors can elevate a middling script. Yeah. Whereas I think Snyder absolutely needs a really good fucking script. Yeah. And then he can put his, his like fluff and stylings on top. I, um, I think, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, you have Dawn of the Dead with Romero, right? You've got Frank Miller with 300. You've Alan Moore with Watchmen. And then you have something like Sucker Punch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're completely right. Actually, I didn't think about it in those terms, but uh, he needs someone to to write a screenplay for him properly and take their time with it. Because I think it was David S. Goyer who did Man of Steel. I think <sighs> fucking Goyer, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to rag on him too much, but he's <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever his name's around, it doesn't it doesn't I don't this doesn't necessarily make me think this is going to be shit because he did I think he did a bit of writing on Dark Knight as well and maybe Batman Begins but he did yeah he did Batman Begins um, so he, you know but I think I don't know like I think they did they did try didn't they I think they removed Gore and got Chris Terrio in for oh Batman fuck they, yes yeah. they did yeah yeah yeah, they, yeah. and they obviously did. he was riding high after Argo, Argo. yes <laughs> so like they were thinking well this guy's going to write like a sort of like dense thematically complex. Mm narrative that's going to sort of circle around two of arguably the most recognisable and iconic superheroes mm. uh, in the genre, duking yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, but the film never really... The, the conflict never felt earned. Nope. And the way it resolves itself was pitifully poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think something like that should never have happened, especially if you're in the sort of fledging stages of your franchise and mm. you're trying to build towards something. Yeah. To have two characters in conflict with each other so early doors, you've not even had a Batman film come out. No. It's almost like they're relying on the sort of the mythology that that, that Nolan had set up. Yeah. Despite the fact it was a different Batman, a different vision. Mm. And again, I don't think Ben Affleck's a bad Batman. I think he just got a bad film. Yeah, um, he did, yeah. yeah uh, you know, and that's always going to mire his Batman, I think. Um, and but and then after that, Wonder Woman? Yeah, uh, I didn't mind Wonder Woman. Wonder I was pretty good. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember Chris Pine being in it, him being good. Uh, Patty Jenkins, I like her as director, Monster. That's yeah, a good yeah. Film. The first three quarters, again, the last act of Wonder Woman is fucking dreadful. Mm. Up till that point, I was I thought it was actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gal Gadot, she might not have the acting chops to necessarily carry the more sort of, um, emotionally complex aspects of, of what they were trying to do with that character yeah no um but she definitely has like a warmth and charisma that makes her more than a more than capable 
Oh, yeah, uh, I think it was a good casting choice, ultimately, yeah. yeah. That's probably one of the few... That was the time... I think that was a moment where people sort of thought, oh, maybe it's not all going to be shit. Maybe things might be all right. (laughs) Maybe we can hit home. Yeah, and then Aquaman grossed a billion dollars. I've not actually seen it. uh, I have. And again, I I don't know how or why. Because that (laughs) film, it's it's not terrible. But it's it's just so disjointed. And (laughs) I don't know. I I think James Wan's sort of breakneck pacing maybe appealed to a lot of people. But to me, it just seemed like a bit all over the place. But the one billion mark is... It's not an easy thing to do. So obviously, it did something right for a lot of people. Yeah, but. this was the, its peak actually. It wasn't really an Everest though. It was sort of more of a, I don't know, uh, Snowden or something. <laughs> Snowden, <laughs> just a little peak, right? Yeah, it, but, Snowden next to Everest. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting choice of directors. So you got uh, Patty Jenkins. I think she won an Oscar for Monster or got nominated. Uh, James Wan, who's known for his horror film, he's like uh, known for kind of help having a hand in writing, or he directed Saw. Okay. Uh, so interesting choice of directors there. Yeah. I mean, like I think Snyder was kind of an interesting choice because yeah, he did comic book adaptations, but everyone thought he was like the graphic novel boy. Yeah. So yeah. they're getting an interesting flock, but you can clearly see that there's sort of six or seven other people pulling the strings in the background. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that have contrasting views about how the franchise should go. Mm, yeah. Um, you've got a fan base who is, you know, mostly lamenting each film that comes out. Mm. I mean, I know that DC have got... The Snyderverse has got a pretty ardent fan base, which we should discuss before in a previous episode. Mm. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons episode, actually. I think we discussed that yeah, quite a did. lot. Yeah, the fan So, thing. I mean, go back to that. <laughs> Listen to that again. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think... You know, the majority of people weren't that chuffed, and I think Warner Brothers were listening more to those people than the Snyderverse fans. Yes. And that obviously created a lot of rumbles of discontent for when they eventually team all of these characters together up in the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, Snyder had to leave that production for very tragic personal reasons. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, you get a sense that something was going to happen. There, were, there was change afoot. Yeah, no, either I things were so. going to get shit canned, which mm. they did for a while. Yep, yep. Um, or you know, you know, or it, you know, he was going to go and someone else was going to come in and bring this, take this another direction. I think he would have been locked out of the editing room, probably. Anyway, maybe, maybe or at least fucking shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, yeah, they got Whedon in, didn't they? I mean, uh, again, what clear, in, what what clear intention do you want to say? to like a fan base or to even like the board when you <laughs> yeah. bring Whedon in the guy who ba- you know who made Avengers 1 and 2 yeah who's you know credited as someone who really bonded together the MCU yeah his first sort of collective outing yeah yeah it's a pretty big statement of intent but even that didn't work and he's a bellend as well so yeah as it turns out he's a bit yeah he's a, a bit troubling character yes yeah, indeed yeah. <laughs> but you know like I think it's just this this universe is a culmination of just I think people hedging their bets too early, realising that and panicking. Mm, And everyone has a different opinion of how things should move on forward from that. Yeah, yeah. And it's so clear in each of these films, with the exception maybe of Wonder Woman until the third act and large parts of Aquaman. um, Because Aquaman's just bonkers on its own, as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. It's so clear to me that these different visions and ideas were all jostling for superiority. Right, okay. Decisions not just about um, the tone of the film, but the, you know, the visual stylings, the screenplay, everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had like a really sort of like 
remorselessly serious tone in Batman vs Superman, for example, and they try and quickly change that with Justice League, but with the same color palette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? and yeah, the I don't humor, know. that sort of awkward, stilted, forced humor, and I remember even that even from the trailer actually. Uh, interesting. I hate I hate the title for Batman. It was just like Freddy versus Jason or something. That's what yeah, it reminded yeah. me of. It reminded me of like a B movie, like a B kind of schlocky horror throwaway bargain bin film. Yeah, Batman v Superman v the whole versus thing. Like, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, it's like a play. It's like a conversation having year one. <laughs> like in the playground, like oh, imagine what if what if they fought? You yeah, know? and yeah. then it's Zack Snyder doing his Watchmen treatment to it. Yeah, for, uh, and it, yeah, just confusing. I, I've tried to watch it in its entirety twice, and I've never managed it. I think I've seen it twice. I oh, really, yeah. <laughs> I think there was a part of me that really wanted to like it, and right? Yeah, was sort of desperately sort of hoovering up the few crumbs of decency that film has. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 I think it is, ba- you know, parts of it, the idea is based on, on loosely on Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, mm. which is obviously a seminal comic book, and a comic book that's definitely broken out of that sort of nerdy comic book realm and into, like, you know, mainstream culture. Like, even people that aren't into comic books have read The Dark Knight Returns, you know? Right, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's the way Snyder sort of crudely sort of bolts it into this sort of poorly thought out, um, thematically shallow narrative and yeah. you know Snyder again I go back to him needing a good writer in the sense that he cannot handle theme very well Yeah, he no. can't He it, once he gets an idea of what he wants a film to be about he will bludgeon you with it yeah yeah definitely you know, and I think that I mean to be fair to him like you know Marvel films aren't particularly thematically rich no. so at least he's perhaps trying to do something interesting yeah, yeah. with it but it was it just it just never worked and it never it was never clever enough to appease critics nor was it subtle enough to appease the masses that go to the cinema mm, every yeah. day agreed yeah. well, every day <laughs> <laughs> but you know for every major release but I, I just think it's fascinating and I and I and I wonder you know where it's going moving forward um, I'm very interested yeah I mean Gunn's work on Guardians I love the first one a lot. Uh, because you're not a big superhero fan, so when you told me that you liked Guardians, I was quite surprised by that. Oh man, yeah, I don't know what it is. There's something about the the soundtrack is great for a start. Obviously, I mean, it was that was the soundtrack that everyone had on like the sort of YouTube loop. Was that the picture of that tape, the cassette thing? Yeah, it was on like everyone's YouTube, like in at uni, like every computer had it on. They were just listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Um, yeah, I've, I don't know what it is about that. It's just so charming and like effortlessly charming as well, and genuinely hilarious at, at points, and like quite touching as well. Like I was sort of bowled over by. He the managed to break away. Yeah, yeah, I think Marvel took a gamble on someone that has obviously has a legacy in working in trauma, as we we'll probably talk about later in a minute. Later yeah, on. yeah. You know, he he was a bold choice. Again, we talk about these sort of bold choices, and it was an absolute hit. I mean, he managed Absolutely. to. I think he managed to get the right sort of characters to do what he wanted to do because I don't mm. think. The people in in sort of the Marvel hierarchy would be as bummed out if the Guardians of the Galaxy didn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and so then you have the Suicide Squad, which is him back with that's back with DC, isn't it? That's his first effort with DC. First effort with DC. So not back with DC, and uh, that really worked as well for me. Anyway, I, I quite liked it. Um, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, I mean, anything's better than the original Suicide <laughs> yeah, Squad, which yeah. we haven't mentioned in our DC discussion. But there's only so much time we've got. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, again, I, th- I mean, that was probably the film that convinced them that he was the right man for the job. Yeah. And his CV, whether, again, whether you like superhero films or not, is pretty good as far as superhero films goes. I mean, yeah. Guardians 1 was a sleeper hit that managed, mm. like you say, it managed to sort of like, I think it managed to bridge the gap between like superhero fans and non-superhero fans quite well. I think a lot of people that don't like Marvel films, by and large, including yourself, yeah, man, yeah, were, were enamoured with the movie. I was, yeah, I was really won over um, by it. But then it's the Suicide Squad, like I liked that as well, but for completely different reasons. So, which is what makes me really curious about what he's going to do, because I don't know what tone he's going to take with it. No, like there's no indication as to like how these like films are going to turn out. They might be awful. I mean, it might really not work, and people, especially if they've got a kind of a uh, sort of cultish Snyder fan base. <laughs> well, they've <laughs> already mean, tried yeah. to torpedo it, haven't they? Before yeah. it's even started. And it's it's crazy. A, it's a shame. It's bizarre. It's built on hate. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> I did a poll on, on the Instagram. I think this is a good time to bring it up because I'm quite interested in it, in, in, the, in this idea that you know, superhero films are on the decline. Mm, yeah. And whilst the box office figures sort of don't necessarily suggest that uh, wholly, I yeah. think it appears to me just in the sort of like common discourse around cinema and just being around people talking about films mm, yeah. that there seems to be a slight bit of fatigue. I don't know if it's because the MC finished their like arc. They spent the better part of over a decade building towards mm, yeah. and they're struggling to find their feet <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the sort of post Thanos era. <laughs> um, but I just get this sense that audiences are perhaps maybe thirsting for something else. Yep. So, yeah, we, I put some questions out to people uh, to sort of expand on their view on superhero cinema and whether they are excited for the future of superhero cinema or not. Oh, nice. Okay. Overwhelmingly negative. Really? Mm. No way. And I'm not sure that the opinions of, like, the hundred or so followers we've got is necessarily a microcosm <laughs> a microcosm for the, for the, for the wider... Um, the general public. Yeah, for yeah, the general yeah. public, yeah. But, I mean, you know, just a lot of comments sort of around... You know, people either saying that they just don't like them at all. You know, Lee messaged in. Yeah, you know, yeah. He said, you know, sort of done with it. Enjoy the good ones, but usually quite forgettable. Yeah. Uh, no longer pay attention when they are released like I used to. Okay. So this idea that you know this sort of perpetual this sort of bombardment of releases is starting to yeah yeah you know wear down even people that aren't necessarily that cynical about them. Yeah. Uh, Alex over from the film angle. Ooh. Um, messaged. <laughs> Saying you're both dickheads. Oh, Alex. No, oh. he didn't really. He's far too nice for that. She <laughs> uh, said, um, "I'm sick of the bad ones. I would, however, I would, I would, however, be happier to see less of them for a while." Yeah. Okay. For a while, being a quite a crucial point. I in think that. so. I think that might yeah. be an interesting way to take the, the release strategy of these films yep. because I think until they can sort out exactly what it is they want to do and the stories they want to tell, mm. it might be worth just 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 sort of chilling out on the releases and maybe then that will bring people back in with a bit more enthusiasm. I think so. Yeah. I think they should pay more attention to their marketing as well. Because at the moment it's like there's three new superhero trailers released every single weekend. It's like I, 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 they blend into one. The only one that stands out is the Aaron Taylor Johnson one. I can't remember what it's that one where he turns into a lion or something. Do you know what <laughs> right, I'm yeah. talking about? I've seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. going on with that? That's quite out of nowhere. Bizarre. Worth, worth a go, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of other comments. So. Um, Flynn says, uh, movies for kids. Don't know why adults love them so much. Some form of arrested development, question mark. Maybe. What do you think about that? I think, yeah, it's interesting because the films in question 
are like the way they're marketed and advertised they're not really for kids although comic books like by and large are they're completely you know they're bright big bright and colorful like superheroes right they're they're yeah. aspirational figures so yeah i can see it completely see where he's coming from and it's interesting that i think i don't think the films are meant to be for children necessarily especially not the dceu although the marvel ones maybe more so definitely more so with the marvel ones i think yeah it's just like interesting how the the general discourse seems to be going on in our generation where maybe it shouldn't (laughs) maybe (laughs) Maybe. he's right yeah Yeah. I, i i kind of i think i take his point in the sense that um I, I think the MCU particularly is, is is guilty of cheapening the impact of superhero narratives. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think, you know, we talked about Frank Miller earlier or Tim Burton's Batman. You know, yeah, there's yeah. definitely a space for adult stories to be told with these characters. Yeah. Um, but I think the MCU has very much established this idea of pleasing the whole family, implicating the kids, mm. you know, by making films that are streamlined, devoid of real complexity, whilst every creative decision also being made with a sort of uh, a monetary mind. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. in the sense that they're wanting to not only self-market future releases, but also merchandise, which a lot of which is marketed to children. Yeah, yeah. I can completely see his point. And mm. I think, I think you know, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. I think whilst they might not be outwardly advertised to children, I think, you know, the, the, the way those stories are told... Uh, and what they're told for, as in profit, yeah. has cheapened the impact of the superhero yeah, yeah. Um, in a way that I think has damaged them quite significantly. Yeah, okay. I think, you know, you see people that aren't into them, they won't, you know, I've had questions, so, well, you know, there are some good superhero stories. I, mean, I still, you know, have a bit of fondness for it. I have, you know, I still, you know, would check out a comic by Frank Miller, for example, even though he's insane. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But but people just won't hear it. Mm. They've made their mind up that it's childish. Yeah, yeah. And I th- that's Marvel's fault. And yeah. DC's fault to a lesser extent, but definitely more Marvel as they've, they've, they've profited off it far more than DC have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think DC wish they could have that criticism leveled at them because that would mean they'd make a fuck ton of money. <laughs> yeah, no, you're but, right. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a fair point. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, again, more people saying stuff like Jess, same, 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 same. Yes, completely, completely. It, yeah, they, they'll. I mean, I've I've said this before. They all blend into one. The multiverse thing is even starting to blend into one now. Uh, it's like a. It's sort of like an antibiotic applied to these narratives at the moment. And people are starting to get resistant to it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like I've yeah, I just. Um, I think maybe I think a lot of the success was built on the characters they had and the actors that played those characters. Mm, yeah, and you know the fact that that's not there anymore. I think people really are struggling to find things to connect to. Yeah, I think the desire might be there, but if if but if they're not going to find those the new the new Hemsworth or the new Tony Stark, mm. you know, then they're going to struggle. Yeah, man. Um, I think they really will. Yep. Last comment, Dale says, AI-based narratives make my anus bleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, that kind of is, uh, I mean, it's phrased differently, but it's similar to what Jess was saying, just about repetition. Uh, why would you pay ten ninety nine every single weekend to go and see the same narrative again and again and again? And I know that sort of you could argue that all films in the world only have like twelve narratives, but when they also contain the same kind of overcooked computer generated imagery, the same 
sort of good versus evil that kind of archetype and and the big battle at the end that's a big big yeah yeah and that's what ruins a lot of the films isn't it really yeah well we keep saying third act weakest point yeah it's because the big battle at the end is just a big battle in a desert or in a city or and uh, everything none of it's real yeah everything gets destroyed it was shot in a a sound stage in sort of east london or something yeah yeah um uh, there you go i mean I think he, I think he's sort of right in the sense that there's a soullessness to them. Mm, yeah, not sure about the anus bleeding. No, Savlon perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, get yeah. that checked. Uh, yeah. Don't ignore those symptoms. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so James Gunn is the is the new figure, as we've said. He's taking yep. this to a bright new dawn. Mm. I think the first film is his Superman. Yep, film? that's right. Twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty five. Which he is writing and directing. I don't know about writing. He might be. I think he is writing it. Is I'm he? sure. Oh, yeah. nice. Fucking hell. He's, got, he's not going to have a day off for years, is he? No. <laughs> yeah. And it's strange that, you know, he was like the sort of, you know, the guy, the superhero guy. Yeah. And now he's jumped ship and gone to DC, and I'm just really interested. Even though my enthusiasm for superhero films has weathered significantly to the point I'm just sort of bored, mm. um, I'm interested to see, just from a sort of cultural perspective, mm. where he takes these films. Okay, because yeah, yeah. You know, and I can't help but admit there's a tiny bit of me that wants it to do well. But I, th- I just think you know, the moment they sort of identi- identify a narrative arc or something that's successful, they won't leave that alone, and that yeah. becomes the problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, you think about, and I, and I do think there is space to make films that are, you know, that can be comic book films, but still have like an adult approach and have, like I said, those comic book sensibilities, like you know, a la Tim Bur- Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, Tim Burton Batman films have a strong sense of identity. Uh, you know, are actually drenched in his visual stylings, which at that point it's hard not to be enamoured with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, the score as well, like fantastic. Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. so good. Probably his best score, I think. Yeah, man. You know, great casting and just and it, and and a sort of self-awareness that doesn't detract from the darker elements of his vision yeah yeah um so it's totally doable but i just can't see it in this current landscape which is about as getting many asses and seats as possible mm. as being achieved in a way that would be anyway enjoyable for <laughs> me. yeah shall we uh discuss the flash or just flash then uh yeah uh, with that in mind yes uh what were your Basic general thoughts upon leaving the church, aka cinema. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because I sort of was kind of perplexed by what I'd seen on the basis that the film is so fucking lurid, and so <laughs> in your face. Yeah, it almost sort of it sort of batters you mm. visually, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think you need like a good like ten fifteen minutes to sort of like get those images out of your eyes do you know what I mean when you <laughs> yeah. blink and you can still see all the colours and shit yeah, yeah. Um, I think my it's obvious how much of a retcon this is I think it's a pretty soft retcon mm, yeah. I think there is something bizarre in the way that it almost pays homage to the, the DCEU <laughs> yeah. in, in many ways yeah yeah I think the success of Snyder's cut being released mm. and the general sort of I wouldn't say the sort of fervour but the, the warmer critical co- consensus mm. perhaps might have encouraged that yeah um but it's definitely a way of saying right you know we're basically saying that there's lots of fucking universes yeah, and yeah. from that is going to be james gunn's dc universe yeah um shameless retcon completely it is a yeah. completely shameless retcon I, I didn't hate the movie i didn't i didn't no. dislike it yeah i think there is some earnestness in it at the start yep um but i think it 
gets lost in this sort of just almost it gets lost in the indefinable horror of cgi and the over-reliance on cgi Mm. really really bad cgi as well yeah dreadful the beginning with the babies and the microwave and stuff yeah i mean that is quite a funny idea for a scene but it's just sort of ruined by how bad it looks yeah it is really really awful as well and then you also mentioned the bit at the end earlier with the the various incarnations of superman and and how dreadful they looked like none of it looked finished no, it didn't, and it's strange because it seems like this film's been in production for such a long time that they would have time. But I think there must have been some last-minute decisions and last-minute changes, and they fucking just had to hit render because, like, it's no one signed off on that. Like, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it was up to anyone's standards, and it was so poor. And I was really disappointed in that yeah. actually because I thought, based on how much hype was surrounding this, for not not necessarily good hype. But I've been hearing about this film for about two and a half years yeah, of the yeah. production and like all that kind of stuff, and I just thought, well, at least we'll get something fairly polished and like basically with a lot of quality control behind it. And it was really disappointing in that aspect. I thought, mm. yeah, I think that 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 end sequence is particularly disappointing because mm. I think it was not only testament to the laziness of the the manner of the retcon. Yeah, in which they're doing and basically again, like you know, suggesting the multiverse, which I think is the way Marvel are going as well. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it's this idea <laughs> that you know there are multiple universes, multiple different variations, um, and yeah, the end is this sort of reveal of all the different DC universes that exist, mm. um, either in past iterations of the characters. We talk about Christopher Reeves, Superman. He appears. Yeah, yeah. Um, also versions of the characters that never were. So Tim yes. Burton, Superman. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, right? written yeah. by Kevin Smith. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That never happened. Yeah. It's just that fucking shameless fan service. Yeah. Is a way to sort of paper over the cracks of not only a bad, a largely pretty bad movie, mm. a bad and odd series of movies. <laughs> yeah. And to also sort of try and generate some semblance of hope for the future. It, yeah. It honestly felt like I was on like a, a theme ride and just going through like. Like just these sort of CGI ghosts of the past and present of yeah. of, of of the DC's universe, both its extended universe with Snyder and the you know the 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 efforts made long before the idea of an extended universe even sort of twinkled in the eye of, <laughs> uh, of anyone. Yeah, you know, I just thought it was really distasteful. Yeah, um, and it just left a bad taste in my mouth in a way that no matter how much I sort of kind of liked some elements of the movie has just marred them enough to make me think, well, you know, as much as I didn't dislike the film, this is just odd. Yeah. And it's a perfect, almost perfect ending for the DCEU in the sense, because it has been fucking odd. Yeah, we yeah. Talk, you know, it's been the product of mismanagement, yeah. of boardroom battling, yeah. of, you know, creative disagreement. Uh, of attempting to placate fans that are never going to be satisfied. Mm. All of these things have come together and just made a fucking mess of a series. And this film almost feels fitting in a sense that it is also a fucking mess. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think I was really... Because I knew there was going to be multi- multiverse stuff in it. I would give it to the film for distancing itself from the vibe of Spider-Man No Way Home because it's really obvious it was influenced by that and influenced by its success like the plot was just so like if if you read the plot it 
similarities just flourish. Yeah. Um, but I admired the f- fact that at least they didn't go down there that road. It felt different to No Way Home. But then again, No Way Home is a really... I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> and I thought it was quite a good film. So maybe that's why it felt different. Because this I didn't really enjoy all that much on the whole. Um, what else did I like about it? I liked... I thought the the mum stuff was quite sweet. <laughs> yeah. That was all right. Like, yeah, I, I think like there's that. some genuine sensitivity there, some earnestness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Back to Danny Elfman again. Liked his uh, little musical cues. Yeah. I heard that. That, again, you know, that's just a sort of... It's quite easy for nostalgia to do that to you, isn't it? Like, just kind of... There's that flutter, isn't there? You're like, oh, yeah. I remember this. Even, even yeah. Keaton, like, I yeah. didn't necessarily. I think it was shocking the manner to which that they sort of like reframed a lot of his famous dialogue lines from the Tim Burton Batman films. Mm, yeah, um, and it just goes to say, I think the state of how sort of inherent, how devoid cinema is <laughs> of fresh ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he sort of steadied the ship in a way I didn't expect. Mm. I think that's just down to his gravitas as a performer. And the fact of seeing him in that Batsuit again. And again, we talk about our reverence for the Tim Burton Batman films. Yeah. And maybe we're part of the problem in this. But for me, that didn't necessarily bother me too much. I actually thought he was one of the more solid elements. Yeah, no, I've got here. I've got, uh, yeah, stuff I liked about it and my little notes. It Sorry, just, I completely... That's all right, mate. No, no, it just says Michael Keaton. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, well, well, I'm glad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't... Really, my I thought actually Ezra Miller. I thought they gave uh, a good performance. I actually thought it was pretty decent, like on the whole. Yeah, they were pretty good. It's sort of. I mean, obviously, we will discuss the the troubling accusations leveled towards them. Yeah, in, in a moment. But mm. that aside, they look pretty comfortable in the role in a way that they didn't before. Yeah, yeah, completely. So, I think that's something, uh, and I think that connects. You know the, the mum stuff a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agreed. Uh, they cry a lot in the film. <laughs> they do quite a good good job of crying. For yeah, some reason. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I really connected with that the the character in that moment, uh, or that the sort of various moments. The the emotional through line of this was one of the stronger aspects. I thought. Um, yeah. And the fact that they played two characters. One of them is really fucking irritating. Oh, the the eighteen year old yeah, incarnation yeah. of the Flash uh, before he was the Flash. Uh, I can't remember the name of Barry that. Allen. Barry Allen, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's in- insufferable. <laughs> but uh, I, I think Ezra Miller actually did quite a good job of not making that overbearing. Uh, and then present day Barry Allen as a character, it's just quite easy to follow them around, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Know, they're the uh, the quirky, yeah, uh, and. It's that was definitely a stronger aspect of it. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I even didn't mind uh, the new iteration of Superman in this universe. I thought she was pretty good as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, she. She. I thought she had the chops for it. Actually. Yeah. I was disappointed that they killed her off. I was like, yeah, oh, no, okay. yeah, no. Um, agreed. And, and, and that sort of speaks to another thing. I quite. Again, we talk about that shameless retcon, but you know, this idea is this sort of this way of saying that there are some things that just can't be saved yeah yeah yeah. you know so this universe that they're trying to save (laughs) you know zod because it goes back to man of steel doesn't it which again feels like a sort of like almost like full circle (laughs) this all in the fucking bud there's this idea that both iterations of the flash are trying to sort of uh change the timeline and make everything better again yeah yeah 
you know, the older Barry Allen comes to the realization that sometimes there are things you just can't save. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't help but feel that I was like a sort of ham fisted <laughs> and slightly catty way of basically saying that the DC is <laughs> a complete fucking failure yeah, and it just yeah. can't be saved. And it needs, <laughs> if it is going to be attempted again, then it, the, all of this needs to be forgotten about and yeah. we just need to move on. Move forward. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I don't know, it was a, a bit of a strange thing to sort a, of. Yeah, meta yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think, yeah, they, they were sort of the only real things that I had any sort of minor emotional connection to. I think the rest of the film was largely um, drifted with that incident. It's pretty deserted on the whole. Like, there were there were flourishes of, uh, of kind of emotion, but they were quite few and far between. It was mm-hmm. largely quite flavourless. Uh, I think it's just the nature, the overuse of the technology. I mean, we talk about how bad it was, but I mean... There's just something to be said about a film that is so reliant on it to convey a story that it it does just make it so much harder to engage with it. Mm, yeah. And I'd be interested to see what the sort of broader consensus is on this mm. um, in terms of um, how audiences respond to this continual over-reliance on this technology. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, obviously, the, you know, it's still doing quite well, so what do I know? But I just feel like there is something inherently difficult about, you know, connecting to these worlds and characters that don't even exist mm. especially when they are like i you know especially when they are models of people that did exist yeah yeah um i don't know i think there's something a bit weird about that mm. a bit distasteful as i said before yeah no agreed it's like quite unnecessary in this instance as well like i don't really feel like they had to delve into other incarnations especially other incarnations of performances of people who have since passed away yeah yeah uh, it's like and if it looked good, I would be more forgiving of it. But it's almost an insult that it was clearly rushed. And, like, yeah. you know, it would have been, like, version 3, not version 121, one of those shots. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and it, I'm fairly sure no one signed off on it. Like I said before, like, it just doesn't look like it's up to anyone's standards. It's dreadful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, you're far more better placed to, to talk about the sort of um, the technical side of these things. Um, but to me, it just speaks to this wider no- notion that this film—it's almost made in the spirit of the franchise, or that you know that it's trying to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, get like just quickly. fucking rush it. Yeah, go on, go get on. it ruined. Because I mean, let me let's talk about this production, man. Because how many yeah, fucking yeah. directors were attached to this film? Oh Jesus! And then yeah. Fucked it off for whatever reason. Oh man! Like I know this is your bread and butter, so go for it. Yeah, like it was. Uh, so it was originally conceived of in in the eighties. <laughs> a lot of people. Oh wow! Uh, David S. Goyer was involved at one point. Oh, of course he was. Uh, George Miller was definitely considering. I think he was doing a Justice. He League was film. working on a Justice League film for yeah, a while. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah. Mm. I had. Uh, yeah, there was base. There's a lot of. Um, what do they call it? Um, uh, left due to creative differences, right? It was largely people I hadn't actually heard of. It was definitely six or seven different directors that were attached for a significant amount of time at one point. Uh, that then they changed their mind. Uh, Ezra Miller actually wrote a draft uh, of the screenplay, and that got rejected by Warner Brothers because of the tone of it. They didn't like the tone. Which is weird that they're fo- so focused on tone. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's because of the previous. Yeah, the previous efforts, right? That happened at one point. Um, then obviously didn't not helped by the the pandemic either. And then when it did finally get shot, it then got marred by 
the controversies of yeah. what happened with uh, with Ezra Miller, which was yeah, it's a string of sort of assaults, uh, questionable behavior, questionable behavior, questionable behavior towards children as well, which is like quite yeah. tough to discuss. A strangling, second degree assaults, burglary, leaving live ammunition around, like. This is this is all like this isn't like new at all, but no. um, it then got marred by that. So really, really troubled production. I mean, um, that's going to be. I mean, that's going to not only trouble the production, but it's going to trouble a lot of people's relationship with this movie, and indeed with their character or their version of the character. Anyway, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, because you know, those, doing those kinds of things. <laughs> so no, because you know, you know, behaving in that way and doing these things, it's. Especially these days, it's going to leave a quite a lasting impression. Yeah, I mean, and deservedly so. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, I think it's a really difficult thing to discuss because we were talking about this before. You know, obviously, we're not a fucking Hollywood gossip podcast. No, you know, no, and we yeah. don't want to. But you know, we were talking about this in the context of you know uh, enjoying the work of or enjoying films that have had people involved that have since been revealed or were. Yep. Or whatever I've had. You know, allegations made against them, or, or have behaved deplorably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it does. You know, a lot of people will just flat out reject yep. a piece of work on that basis, which I completely fucking understand. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I find it a little bit more difficult to do so, not on the basis that I'm 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 supporting the individual. No, no, in no. Question, but I think film is a collaborative thing, and yeah. I think there is a lot of people involved in those films that don't necessarily deserve to have their work destroyed by oh yeah by the, the, the actions of one, one person yeah, yeah you think yeah. about baby driver for example with, with yep. kevin spacey, kevin spacey. I mean, you know edgar mm. wright sort of on social media made a similar plight didn't he he sort mm. of said you know please don't let this ruin the relationship with the movie yeah yeah um, but it's kind of hard for it not to when no you know no you know, the, the the mass audiences or the or the people that are more inclined to be bothered by these things, they're not going to be as driven by the film to watch the film on the basis of the fucking prop master or yeah, yeah. Or, or, or the lighting director, you know, or whatever. They're gonna they're gonna see Kevin Spacey, and that's yeah. going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's also it's if it's the the lead actor, or it, it's it's going to be difficult because their face is going to be in front of you. In this case, two faces, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, two versions. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, and uh, as soon as you have that visual cue, obviously, is that video where they were like strangling a woman in Iceland, I think. And yeah, and a lot of people have seen that video. So then, for them to go and watch a film in which that actor is big, bright in the centre <laughs> the whole time. And, and and playing a character in a fairly likeable manner as well. Yeah, yeah, someone you're meant to relate to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is going to be difficult and it is going to be a lot easier, I think, you know, because uh, old Harvey Weinstein, he's, on, he's in the credits for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he's yeah. an executive producer on that and they're still beloved. That hasn't been marred, but I think there's something about that visual cue uh, of that, that person being a very obvious person outward performer not just a kind of behind the scenes person that's it's a celebrity yeah yeah exactly you yeah know, completely. I think you know if the, the only people in the film industry that are celebrities are actors and mm. then to a lesser extent directors I mean there's a handful of directors that are sort of known mm. outside of the circle of people that are really into movies right you think about your Tarantinos your Nolans your Spielbergs yeah, yeah. Mm. you know there they're going to be the celebrities so I think mm. you're absolutely right that, that being a celebrity 
and and if you're seen to behave like that the nature of the celebrity is elevated by your presence in films yeah it's almost like a symbiotic thing isn't it it's like well you get this film because you're famous you're going to then subsequently make the film more popular as a result of you being in it yeah it's going to elevate your fame and it just becomes like a self-perpetual self-feeding cycle yep but if you obviously behave in a manner like they've done then that's gonna you know it's gonna stick a a stick's going to go in the spoke yeah, this yeah. cycle bike wheel I don't know what's going on with this metaphor but yeah. you know it's going to make problems it's going to cause a lot of headaches in, in the Warner Brothers and DC hierarchy mm. because they've just spent fucking god knows they've spent a fucking fuck ton of money yeah. on, on a project that's been existent, in existence since the 80s they finally get yeah. to a point where they've got something that can at least be released I mean, as we've discussed it looks shit in most parts but anyway yeah. they're going to release it anyway yeah, yeah. then this happens mm. you know um and I find it quite interesting how they've handled it. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, especially in, as you say, in this current climate. And I'm not saying that the degree of negativity, by the way. I'm just saying that you know, there's a lot of pressure on studios in the modern age to be more socially conscious. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, particularly definitely. when it comes to behaviour as overt mm. and troubling as that. Yeah, definitely. The the the, yeah, the way they handled it is bizarre. Uh, they lent so heavily on the test screenings, right? So they they. The studios do this all the time at the moment. It really pisses me off. They generate hype out of nowhere. Uh, they they pluck opinions from thin air and broadcast them as if they are uh, they were said by someone. And usually they'll get Tom Cruise to say something positive. They'll they'll give him like a couple of bottles of champagne and and do a test screening with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise obviously, <laughs> you know, by either obligation or just to be nice, maybe says, oh, it's the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, they drum up this publicity before anyone's actually watched it. And it really annoys me because it creates this false hype. So I, I heard about how like how positive these test screenings were. Yeah. I think they did it to distract from the other goings on about their their lead actor and mm. and what they got up to. Uh, and it worked because I was like oh maybe this film's gonna be really good like okay Andy Machete I quite like it chapter one I really think he needs to stop trying to please everyone yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it chapter two was another big CGI mess uh, trying to please too many people as well but anyway uh, yeah it's just fascinating how they lent so heavily on those test screenings and they, they actively broadcast the results of those screenings even though test screenings are meant, are meant to be something you do before you start marketing a film yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. so like because people know what test screenings are now i guess uh so they use that as a tool to generate to drum up all this positive word of mouth which was like you know by and large the reception audience reception anyway to the film's being really lukewarm so there's no that has no basis in reality at no. all and, yeah. and it's a real shame uh, and they also the the statement by uh, a representation uh, represent- representative. representative sorry a representative of Ezra Miller it just it was basically um, them saying how they're going to seek treatment and they're going to like reevaluate what they've done over the past few years it felt like it was written by Warner Brothers like I swear to god there was right. something about the way it was stated I was like it just sounds like a flash yeah publicity so i don't know maybe that's a bit too conspiratorial but uh it's what i think well no i think <laughs> def- yeah i i sort of think it is strange and 
I find it especially strange on the basis that they've done that, but he hasn't really been in much of the press for the film. I think they did one press appearance. Yeah. Uh, um, that was the, 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 the They didn't do any premiere. interviews. Or he did anything. no interviews. Yeah, yeah. His name's not really on the posters. Yeah, no. Um, Obviously, his face is, but he's covered in the in you know in the in the flash regalia. <laughs> so, yeah, the, it doesn't say Ezra Miller on no. any of the bus posters. Or so anything. I think they are aware. Yeah, I just yeah. think that they you know that they don't want to have to pay loads of money to mm. to do it all again. I yep. think they just want to wash their hands of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I, again, it's it's a it's a it's a fucking strange and horrible <laughs> situation. Just, yeah, the way they approached it is so unique, and I it didn't work. It's only made two hundred odd million dollars. So, do you reckon that's a big part of it? Do you, do you reckon mm. it's a combination not only of this sort of the fatigue with Warner Brothers and DC's clear ineptitude mm. and infighting that has created this just mess, or do you think a lot of this is because of uh, Ezra Miller's? off-screen behaviour. Yeah, I think there's a kind of automatic boycott yeah. that's going on. People don't even realise it. I think they just, they they see that in the news and they, you know, there's a, a kind of a switch there. They're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with it. I don't want to be associated. I, I don't want to have an opinion on that property because of what it in turn is associated with. So, yeah, I do think that, that uh, the, the negative... Well, the the lack of bums in seats, I guess, is definitely not just down to the DCEU, because people were kind of hyped for this at one point. Like, I remember, like a couple of years ago, there was a lot of love for uh, a Flash film, and mm. so it, yeah, the fact that it's disappeared, yeah, it's partially down to what we were saying previously and what people have sort of written in about in in that there's a clear fatigue, but uh, it definitely hasn't helped because it is has lost about 200 million so far yeah. like it's lost a lot of money no one's going to watch it <laughs> I don't think he'll be back as Flash no 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 no. no. I think I it'd think. be I think it would be you know a really poor decision made by the sort of hierarchy to mm. lead, for him to lead to be one of the sort of people to lead the DC yeah, or James yeah. Gunn or the James verse <laughs> James verse into, yeah. into the new door <laughs> although apparently the discussions that Jason Momoa might be staying as Aquaman, so, really? Yeah. Okay. It, there's a post-credit scene which I didn't stay for on the flash because I can't be asked. I just googled it when I was walking out yeah, of the yeah. cinema. But um, yeah, he's in. He's there's a suggestion there in the post-credit sequence apparently that he might be sticking around. Oh yeah, I never stay for the post-credits. By the way, just <laughs> should throw that in there now. I don't want to talk yeah, about we, it because I haven't watched it. But <laughs> funnily enough, we uh, in our Fast and Furious X discussion, we <laughs> yeah, talked yeah. about. Well, we don't know if the Rock's going to come back. And he's <laughs> yeah, in the post-credit sequence of the yeah. Rock. I, I mean, walked that's a out. critical piece of information that we just clearly sort of yeah. just did our sort of refusal to sit there and just watch fucking reams of text. No, yeah, exactly. I, I am all for getting out of the car park before everyone else does, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there you go. But no, uh, yeah, a strange film and a strange end to a bizarre franchise, a bizarre series of films. Yeah. Um, there won't be yeah you can't tie it up in a in a nice little box set can you like no. they're so scattershot all over the place I mean there's even going to be a sense of that still now I mean if you think about uh, Patterson's Batman there's going to be another one of those probably yeah oh yeah but there seems to be this sort of feeling that it's okay to have these different things I think the, the Flash film has the, the, the sort of has almost sort of allowed the DC the James verse to 
to sort of, <laughs> to work in tandem with these separate offshoots. Yeah, I would. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they asked Pattinson and he said no. I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if Warner Brothers asked. Him oh yeah. yeah, I mean, it would it would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that Batman film wasn't that bad actually. I thought it was all right. Definitely. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought it was too decent. long, but there we go. Yep, uh, it seems <laughs> to be the case for a lot of blockbuster films at the moment. Yes, um, but anyway. Uh, I think it's time for the outro. Outro! Questing the cinematic void. There we have it then. Yeah. Uh, Next week. What do you reckon? uh, Indiana Jones. Yes. And the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, Again, not sure how to feel about this one. No. Um, Apparently some face replacement in it as well. Like technology-wise, there might be some parallels there with... uh, the flash and how they deploy that technology. Uh, yeah, I also knows. think parallels in the in the sort of pursuit of uh, sort of nostalgia. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, as a, legacy as a, film. Yeah, legacy film. Yeah, yeah. So, be, I think it'll be there'll be a lot of through lines. I mm. think from <laughs> from this discussion to the next. But yeah, we'll 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 watch that and we'll give you a hot take, hot take, hot topic, hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, mm. uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes. Thank you for continued support and thank you very much for writing in again. Yeah, that was really nice. I actually. think it was really nice to sort of get some mm. some you know s- something from you guys and it's it really sort of helped inform our discussion actually. Yeah, so yeah, we'll definitely. be hoping we'll be relying on you to do that forever mm. now. Yeah. Makes our jobs easier. This <laughs> is a job. I wish it was. Just Please read. make it my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just read out other people's opinions for an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. And go, yeah, I agree. Then move on to the next one. <laughs> right. Have <laughs> a lovely week. Catch yes. you in the next one. See you in a bit.